A great many valuable books have been written about black lives and experiences in very different geographical contexts. However, a relatively low number deals specifically with the experiences of people of African descent in Europe before the world wars. A handful of individual stories have been marginally integrated into European history, but most of these relate to the history of enslavement or to colonial encounters from the 15th century onwards. Published work often pairs the term black presence with a specific geographical area. From black presence in Europe to black presence in Wales, these volumes map out the lives of people of African descent in the named places. The kinds of books that are readily available are also often about known men and women. Of course, such individuals are worth examining, and these biographies provide interesting interpretations and bring new light to their life stories. For example, over the last few decades, several volumes have been dedicated to former enslaved people, from Olauda Equiano to Mary Prince, both of whom lived in Britain, the focus seems to be on 18th century abolitionists and their connections to various groups of people. Black abolitionists and other black men and women have been looked at in relation to their roles as models in well-known paintings or as servants who feature in travel writings and other artistic productions. When examined as individuals, these men and women are generally perceived as exceptional characters whose lives were transformed by complex encounters with Europeans. In such accounts, the notion of exceptionalism is used as a plausible reason for their fame. Some of their stories are believed to have survived because of the extraordinary nature of their contributions to European societies. Little, however, has been published about further aspects of their lives such as the close connection they might have had with other people of African descent. Some histories have been forgotten or their importance underestimated. For example, African resistance to enslavement on African coasts or the fight against the transatlantic slave trade in Africa are scarcely mentioned in volumes about enslavement in European colonial history. Yet, resistance was not uncommon with examples including the powerful story of Queen Zinga in the 17th century, the numerous slave revolts aboard slave ships along African coasts, and the disruption of plantation lives by Maroons and enslaved people living in proximity to masters. There is a continuum in the history of black resistance to enslavement that forms part of what Cedric J. Robinson saw as the roots of black radicalism. According to Robinson, the West got hold of black bodies through violence to produce wealth, but that also signaled the end of capitalist states. In fact, the seeds of destruction were embedded in the means of acquiring wealth. The black figures who are remembered are only part of the broader story of a fight against exploitation. The connections between these various stories have been forgotten because physical subjugation was accompanied not only by a rewriting of the oppressor's history, but also by a shaping of the story of the oppressed. Robinson examines the way certain stories have been overlooked, even those that were uncovered by respected scholars long before transatlantic slavery. The renowned historian Herodotus, for example, recalled encounters with Ethiopians and Wilde 
who he thought were descended from the Egyptians. Those encounters in Robinson's analysis are missing pieces that, although recorded by historians, have remained largely untold in the modern and contemporary global north. Using the example of American slavery, Robinson also demonstrates how early European travellers recorded the social, cultural and agricultural systems they saw in areas in West Africa. Nevertheless, by the 18th century, the narrative of unsophisticated Negroes was shaping colonist ideology. Robinson notes that the destruction of the African past was a process that went through various stages. For example, naming played a crucial role in the process of erasure. The construct of Negro, unlike the terms African, Moor, or Ethiop, suggested no situatedness in time, that is history or space, that is ethno or political geography. The Negro had no civilization, no cultures, no religions, no history, no place, and finally no humanity that might command consideration. Robinson remarks that the creation of the Negro, the fiction of a dumb beast of burden, fit only for slavery, was closely associated with the economic, technical, and financial requirements of Western development from the 16th century onwards. 